Greetings, everyone. Welcome to uh, windy downtown Boulder. I don't know if it's as windy where you are as it is here, but we're getting these gusts that are just incredible. Hope you're staying safe. Hey, if you're just joining us today, we're in our second sermon in a new series called Kingdom Tide. Kingdom Tide is a little-known church season leading up to Advent. It was instituted in the 1930s by a group of American mainline Protestant churches. And I think Kingdom Tide is a gift to us right now. We need a sermon series on the kingdom of God. In this contentious season with all its chaos, we need to be reminded that we are Jesus' people. We are kingdom people. Jesus and his kingdom are what define us. Jesus, after all, told us to seek first the kingdom of God. That is our primary task as his people. Last week, Daniel shared several important truths about the kingdom of God. He said that the kingdom of God is not so much a place as it is a person, Jesus. And some have said that God's kingdom is not so much a realm as it is a reign. Last week, Daniel preached on the present kingdom. We were reminded that the kingdom of God is present. It's here. It's now. God's kingdom comes in King Jesus. The kingdom of God is here. It's here in Jesus' preaching. It's here in his life, his miracles, his death, his resurrection. The kingdom of God is here in Jesus Christ. But the kingdom is not only now, it is also not yet. It is present, but it is also still future. And we live in the tension of these realities. And we could use a Venn diagram, I often like to do this, to illustrate it. As King Jesus comes to earth, the reign of God's righteousness expands into the earth from heaven. It intersects earth, and we live in the overlap. Today, we're going to explore the kingdom as a future reality. We're going to think about the prayed-for kingdom. To do this, we're going to look at the most familiar text on this passage. It's one that you know. It's in the Lord's Prayer. Let's take a look at it. The petitions or the requests of the Lord's Prayer fall into two main categories. First, there are three prayers focused on God. The first, of course, is our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, may your name be made holy, may it be honored and revered in our lives and in our world. That's the number one prayer according to Jesus. Then we pray a second prayer heavenward. It's also focused on God, thy kingdom come. That's our focus today. And it quickly leads to the third prayer, which is closely related, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then we turn to our human needs, the second half. The fourth petition says, give us this day our daily bread. It's a very practical prayer. Hungry people, after all, can't do much for God. Then there's the fifth petition or prayer, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then the sixth and last petition, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Finally, of course, the closing doxology, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's the prayer. Our focus today is on that second God-oriented petition, thy kingdom come. Now, what do we mean when we pray this prayer? Let's back up just a little bit. 
Last week, Daniel mentioned that the kingdom reign of Jesus begins in individual human hearts. He said that the kingdom's starting point is the transformed human heart. That is exactly right. Think about it. When God created all things, he put human beings at the pinnacle of creation, instilling us with incredible capacities, including freedom. The Bible says we use that freedom, and we abused it, actually, to rebel against God, to defy God's reign over our lives. And now sin, destruction, death, all of these reign in our lives and in the world instead of God. But now God is redeeming all things in Christ. God is restoring the reign in Jesus. God's kingdom begins in the self-centered individual human heart. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians, God is now at work making human beings into new creations as we turn in repentance and faith to Jesus, our King. When we pray, thy kingdom come, at a minimum, what we're praying for is that God would reign more fully in our hearts and in our lives. And we're praying that more and more people would experience the same thing, that they would know the freedom and the joy and the deliverance of having Jesus be their king. And then this prayer expands. As redeemed people living under Christ's reign, we want to share his kingship with others across the world. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, it means praying and engaging in mission and evangelism and discipleship, helping others come to know and follow Jesus as king. But the prayer goes further. God wants to bring the reign of Jesus into all parts of human life. When we pray, thy kingdom come, it means praying that mercy ministries extend the compassionate care of Christ the King to those who need them, to the sick and the injured. Remember the history of Christian hospitals? When we pray, thy kingdom come, it means that we teach those who need to be educated. Remember the history, the Christian history of schools and universities? When we pray, thy kingdom come, it means we feed the hungry, We clothe the naked. We care for the sick. We visit the prisoner. Remember Jesus' parable about the sheep and the goats in Matthew chapter 25? When we pray, thy kingdom come, it means the deacon's closet distributing clothes. It means lamb's lunch feeding the hungry in our midst and fifth Sunday lunch doing it as well. It means our community Thanksgiving dinner. It means kids' hope at Columbine Elementary School, and it means love local. King Jesus loves the least, the last, and the lost. And when we pray, thy kingdom come, we're praying that his kingship would cover all humankind in this regard. But it means more than this. Thy kingdom come means working for structural change in society. It means advocating for just policies that incorporate the values of King Jesus, policies that bring life to all human beings. It means seeking the systemic good of every person made in God's image. It means we seek social justice and just social structures that reflect God's good intentions for the whole human community. Remember Micah 6.8, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice? and to love mercy, and to walk humbly 
with your God. And remember Amos 5.24? Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Thy kingdom come. It means compassionate acts and social justice. Both of these reflecting the kingdom of God. And it means more than this. When we pray thy kingdom come, we're praying for God's coming kingdom to reign over all the earth, over all creation. Revelation 21 says that God is making all things new in Jesus. As the leading edge of God's newness, we take up once more our ancient mandate as stewards of the earth. As a New Testament scholar, Ben Witherington, put it, God is the ultimate conservationist or ecologist. As children of the King, we join our God in these efforts. And so we care for creation, our forests and rivers and oceans, the air we breathe, the water we drink. God wants all of these to reflect His grace and goodness in Jesus. The Apostle Paul said, whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And this means that we can even reduce, reuse, and recycle to the glory of God. You know, too many Christians, I think, misunderstand the kingdom of God. They think that God mostly cares about getting souls to heaven. There's this sort of upward impulse in the way a lot of Christians think. We've got to get people from earth down here to heaven up there. But you know what? That's not in the Bible. In the Bible, God is trying to do just the opposite. God is trying to bring heaven down to earth. Think of Jesus in the incarnation. God comes down into our midst and is born among us to show us the goodness of his reign in Jesus Christ. It's a downward impulse. As N.T. Wright put it, the kingdom of heaven is not about people going to heaven. It is about the rule of heaven coming to earth. Remember John's vision in the book of Revelation? The new Jerusalem comes down from heaven to earth. It's a downward impulse. And the next petition of the Lord's Prayer, the one so closely related to ours this morning, makes this clear. We say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As someone once said, God's not trying to get people to heaven. God's trying to get heaven into people. Let's be clear. When we pray, thy kingdom come, we don't just passively wait for heaven to come on earth. We work for it as well. The Benedictine monastic movement has an ancient slogan. Here it is in Latin. Ora et labora, or pray and work. We pray and work. We work and pray. Together, these are what we do. In the early church, St. Benedict believed that prayer and action were entwined. Worshiping the king leads to working for the kingdom. Thy kingdom come is an enacted prayer. It's active. We participate in Christ's expanding reign over all things when we do several items. The kingdom comes, of course, when we proclaim the gospel and call people to repentance and faith. The rule of Jesus extends and expands over their lives. The kingdom comes when we disciple people and help them grow in Christ-likeness. 
then they are able to influence the various spheres in which they live and work. The kingdom comes whenever we educate in Jesus' name, whenever we heal or help or feed or clothe, as we've been thinking together this morning, the kingdom then comes. And the kingdom of God comes when we advocate, when we work for a consistent pro-life ethic, an ethic that protects the life of the unborn and the born, the fetus and the child, the human being at every age and stage. Thy kingdom come. It's when we work for justice and racial equality. It's when we work for fair treatment of the poor and marginalized. Thy kingdom come. It's when we seek to stop child sex trafficking and the mistreatment of people at our borders. It's when we work for structural change that reflects God's purposes for human good. When we do these things, the kingdom of God comes. Ora et labora. Pray and work. It's a prayer for active engagement. And finally, maybe most, excuse me, most fully, thy kingdom come is a prayer for the king to come back. Preacher Daryl Johnson says the kingdom is where the king is. And Jesus is here now. He's here in our midst, but he is veiled, veiled. He's only seen through us partially. When we pray thy kingdom come, we're praying that someday the partial would become total, that the veiled would become visible, that the king himself would come back in person. We're praying for the second coming. Recently, there's been a lot of talk, once again, about the apocalypse. Whether it's inspired by COVID-19 or climate change or our divided nation, many fear that the end of the world, the apocalypse, could be upon us. You know, it's really too bad that this word has lost its original meaning. Apocalypse in the Bible simply means unveiling. It's when the curtain is thrown back and Jesus in all his goodness and glory is finally revealed. The apocalypse isn't something we fear. It's something we anticipate and celebrate. The apocalypse is closer to Christmas than it is to catastrophe. When we pray thy kingdom come, we're praying for Christ's reign to come on earth, both gradually and climactically, both practically and dramatically through our steady hard work inspired by the Spirit of God and through God's surprise breakthrough in the apocalypse, the revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Do you long for Christ's coming? Do you pray for it? The early church did. They had a one-word prayer in Aramaic. It was this word, Maranatha, our Lord come, and they prayed it frequently. Thy kingdom come strikes the balance of the mundane and the divine, the dramatic and the commonplace. This tension is what holds like a, a suspension bridge in place. We live in this tension. The tension in Christ's kingdom is both now and not yet. It's something God does in us and through us, and it's something that God does most fully when Christ comes back again. And we need this tension we need this balance. If we work and pray for the kingdom only here and now, it's easy to get discouraged and hopeless because we don't have often 
signs that our work is effective. We can grow discouraged. But if all we do is passively pray for the kingdom to come and wait for the second coming of Christ, we can be irrelevant and foolish, just sort of hunkered in the bunker, Christian doomsday preppers anxiously awaiting the apocalypse. And so we need this tension of activity and prayerful waiting. Ora et labora, the Benedictines got it right. We pray and we work. We work and we pray. And our lives reflect this prayer, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come is divine and human, mysterious and mundane, working together, intersecting and interlocking in Jesus Christ the King. Thy kingdom come. It's how we pray and act in a global pandemic, in an uncertain economy, in a divided nation, and in a threatened environment. Thy kingdom come. Maranatha. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, we confess that we get so uh, consumed by our daily lives. We get so consumed by all that's going on around us and in us right now especially that we lose perspective. Oh, would you remind us by your Holy Spirit that we are your kingdom people and that, Jesus, you are our king. Help us to internalize this and then to actualize it in our lives and in our prayer and in our witness starting this very moment and into the next week. We ask this in your name. Amen.